1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to a very special Monday edition of Who's Number One. Swipped, swatched around the schedule just a bit there because Michael Sears will be traveling back from Brazil this Wednesday during our normal scheduled broadcast. So, welcome to the show. Joining me today is Ryan Smith here on my right. Michael Sears there calling down from Rio. And, of course, from the Great North, Ricardo Amandolia, Jiu Jitsu's voice, the expert. Welcome to the show, guys. How's everyone feeling today on this beautiful Monday afternoon?
2: i
1: good,
0: man. Good to
1: be back. We, uh, we... Nice like you and Rio, but, uh, all is good. All is good. Ready to get things going.
0: Michael, you were down at a jiu-jitsu tournament. I know you're on vacation there, but what were you at this weekend? What were you doing down there?
3: Oh, no, I was just at a, uh, like a local, like, FJJD Rio or something, just seeing some people I know compete, but, uh just a lo- little small tournament just watching some of my friends compete. At, uh it was actually it's sort of cool though it was in the uh olympic uh like the one of the buildings that they used for the olympics in rio so they same pretty pretty situation pretty pretty pretty
0: as beautiful. the ajp tour then right they have those uh, yeah but it,
3: it, it was in like a it was in like a different one though this one was in like they call it like a velodrome i don't know it's for like people like they roller skate on the side of it or something i, mm-hmm. I don't know what sport they do in it but it's like yeah it's pretty cool
1: Very michael nice i got a question Sorry, I got to interrupt. I got a question for you. Sorry, Chase. Um, and, you know, Chase, you've been, you've been to Brazil too. So this question, you know, pertains to you as well. But Michael, do you, I I feel that when you're at a tournament, a jiu-jitsu tournament in Brazil, the energy, the vibe is a little different than North American tournaments. Would you agree or disagree? Or is it just my perception or kind of favoritism over the Brazilian events?
3: Oh no. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh the energy is a whole other level, for sure. Like Especially like, I mean, Brazoledo is probably the ultimate one, right? Like You just walk into Brazoledo, and it's like, you know, you're at the Coliseum when there's gladiators fighting. Just the crowd's going wild. There's all these chants going and everything, and people yelling all over the place. It's a whole other level of energy at tournaments in Brazil. I would, I would agree. People are a little bit more conserved in Europe and North America.
1: How many times did you hear the word pojada or poha or boa? During
3: yesterday's yeah. competition. Yeah. Usually. Hey, KS or juiz? juiz? I a juiz. Yeah. No, professor. No. Yeah. All that, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Let's bring it back stuff, here, man.
0: folks. Um, we got a couple updates about the who's number one show coming up. We have a date slated there for February. I believe February 8th. Is that the date there, Michael?
3: February 8th, Costa Mesa, California. And actually the, uh, link to buy tickets is, is already up. Uh, we haven't announced the black belt super fight yet, but we have 12 color belt fights with, like, top-ranked uh, color belts, some of the best in the world. And uh, so Flow Grappling Tix, T-I-X, so flowgrapplingtix.com. You can go there and start buying tickets. You select one of the fighters, and, you know, they'll get a percentage fight to win style. So, yeah, tickets are already available. So if you're going to Kid's Pan's or you're just living in Southern California, and we're going to have some big-time black belt fights to top it off. Those haven't been announced, but they're coming.
0: Yeah, very exciting Mm -hmm. times. You know, everything we've done is is leading up to this show with Who's Number One. Uh, We're very excited to to give a showcase event to the up-and-coming belts as well as, of course, the Black Belt main event or co-main event matches that will be still to be announced. But uh, let's move right along here. It's a busy weekend in Jiu Jitsu. We saw a couple of promotions of some key athletes. The number one pound for pound Purple Belt, Pedro Machado, has uh, joined the Brown Belt ranks. Very exciting stuff there. Michael, where would you rank him? You know, it's always a difficult question when someone leaves their, their current rank and jumps up to the next belt level. He's the number one guy at Purple Belt. What does that mean uh, for his situation there at, at the Brown Belt level?
3: Uh, usually, like. When people go to black belt, I don't even rank them until they start having wins at black belt. But it's easy, like, moving from purple to brown belt, it's easy to slide them in because, like, most of the brown belts were in the same division as Pedro earlier this year. You know, they've all been competing against each other. So I I, I usually don't put them in pound for pound right away. Like, he was number one pound for pound at purple. I'll wait a little bit on that. But I slid him in at medium-heavy brown belt, like, number five or something, I believe. I'll have to look it up right now. But medium-heavy brown belt is is pretty stacked. you got Conor D'Angelo, Giancarlo Bononi lucas lisboa there's some really good guys in there but hey caleb yeah, i think yeah we, uh,
0: we've got a clip here of pedro before we get too carried away um let's run that and showcase some of his stuff here sorry michael go on
3: yeah i mean you see pedro he's 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 got a uh, he's got a killer color sleeve game i mean he beat uh if you remember he beat anderson Munoz at uh Rosledo this year he beat jansen gomez at worlds this year he's beat some really good people and uh he, he he's got a real color, good collar sleeve on the plot game right there sweeping uh jansen with it and he, he really works that collar sleeve but he's also just super athletic and uh really uh of back takes off of scrambles and everything but yeah i, I mean he's uh definitely gonna make a, a, a big mark at brown but if you remember he won the blue belt open class at worlds last year at, at purple belt he won a whole bunch of stuff this guy's
0: just he's a, he's a monster for sure yeah he's super fun to watch and uh For me, it's just validation of the idea that purple belt might be one of the most exciting divisions there is in jiu-jitsu. I feel like people have such defined games. They're very, very talented, but there's still a little bit of openness that's not present there at the black belt level. Ricardo, am I on the right track there? Uh, Are these prospects maybe the reason they're so exciting is they're not quite as polished as some of the more veteran players of the game?
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that they've... You know, usually when you see somebody um, at the highest level at Purple Belt, their game is very similar, if not the same, at Black Belt. And especially at Purple Belt, they're really trying to make a name for themselves. So you're going to see a lot more aggressiveness. Uh, Their game, you know, changes so much from there to the highest level, Black Belt. Black Belt, they tend to kind of calm down. But Purple and Brown is where, you know, look at Roberto Jimenez, you know, a guy like that stands out just so aggressive and super fast. But again, it'd be interesting to see Roberto at black belt. Does he keep that pace or does he kind of slow it down, you know? So purple belt's always exciting to watch. Some of the you know, most exciting matches at any tournament you go to. So you're you're, you're pretty accurate with that uh, description there.
0: Very nice. That leads us right into our next promotion here. We have the number two pound for pound juvenile blue belt. Uh, Diogo Reyes has been promoted to purple. And for me, uh, I remember seeing this kid compete alongside Mikael Galvao. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but they're, they're teammates or they're friends at least. And uh, Mikael uh, gets all the shine, but this kid is is slaughtering everyone else as well. Very, very exciting stuff there. Uh, Michael, what do you know about Diogo here?
3: Yeah, he, you're right. He's uh, one of Mikael's uh, teammates at the Melky Galvao school. He's a Dream Art Manaus guy and uh both of them yeah uh, Mike Mikhail is probably the bigger name but both of them did double grand slam at juvenile last year so Diogo was juvenile two Mike was juvenile one so he's going to be going to adult now so he won weight and absolute at all the major uh tournaments uh now he's going into the adult uh purple belt rooster weight division uh this guy he was like he uh told me he went 130 and four at blue belt basically so had 134 matches. He he only lost four of them, a couple of them in the absolute. One time, I guess, was to Gabriel Souza for some reason, who he fought as a juvenile blue belt when he was a brown belt. But, uh, yeah, this kid's a killer. You know, he's uh, about what you expect, you know, a new age kid coming out of Brazil. You know, really good back takes, barambola stuff. But he's got good arm drags and collar drags, too, that he gets used to get to the back. And, yeah, I mean, if you just look up at his matches in the full library from 2019, he's just been murdering everybody at juvenile. It'll be really interesting to see him at uh, – at adult now and see uh, how he does at the, you know, higher levels.
0: Yeah, you know, we usually see a wave of promotion after the World Championships there in June. A lot of guys get the new belts then, but there's also the second wave of the year ahead of the new season. You know, the Europeans is on, on the around the corner here in 2020 there at the end of January, so I can't wait to see all these new belts uh, in action there, Diogo Reyes being one of the most exciting young players in the game. But um, now that we've got a little bit of the previewing out of the way it might be time for us to to recap some of the more important events of the weekend. Polaris had another show, a uh, pretty fun event there. Nikki Rodriguez took on Luke Rockhold there in the main event. That went to decision. Uh, what do you guys think of that match? It was a little bit stagnant, I think. You know, it wasn't quite the Nikki Rod of older. I I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way. Yeah, I was expecting more fireworks from that match for sure. Um, you know, I, I think that it kind of shows,
2: you know, uh, Nikki Lo- Nikki Rod's level of jiu jitsu. Um, I kind of expected them to go to the ground and see more jujitsu. It just kind of sound, uh, looked like aggressive collar ties for
0: the majority of the match. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough match when uh, guys are evenly paced and no one wants to get submitted. It's a submission-only match there at Polaris. <laughs> and so uh, playing conservatively sometimes makes sure there's no definitive loss for either player. Did you guys uh, pay attention to any of that, see any other key results there? There's some fun matches. We saw Tommy Langacker, uh, Espen had a great match, Devontae. Ricardo, what about you?
1: Yeah, I saw Michelle Nicolini rip a foot off and take that (laughs) home to Brazil. She had a vicious toehold. And, you know, I posted this on my social media earlier, but it's always refreshing to see Michelle compete because she just goes for broke. She's a true submission hunter, and uh, she had an amazing toehold. I I really thought she was going to rip the foot of her opponent right off. So that was pretty vicious. And uh, it was cool to see Tommy and uh, Dorinho. That was a really, really tight match and uh tommy got a little uh said a little something something on the mic after uh some shots fired to uh gabriel arges after a little interview with gabriel at spider so a that was the spice yeah. coming off of Polaris yeah. there
0: you know yeah. you were uh, on the ground for that what did he say yeah yeah so for you those of you that might have missed the uh the gabriel interview that we did in seoul korea ahead of spider Gabriel maybe a little bit feisty because he's cutting a lot of weight, but uh, he called out—or not called out—but he referenced Tommy and Espin uh, Matisse and teammates for being—I don't want to put words in Gabriel's mouth, but one hit wonders are guys who, guys who did really well at one event or two events, but had yet to make a mark like Gabriel has as a two-time world champion, and that of course uh, pissed Tommy off something royal, and uh, you know he bided his time. And after impressive showing and win at Polaris, he called out Gabriel, saying, "You know, give me that match. You've been ducking me." And uh, to me, this is the kind of trash talk that I like. It's not really trash talk. It's two guys that are game and that that want to prove something. And it's it's not personal in the sense where they're they're not attacking each other outside of jiu-jitsu skills. They want to settle the matter on the mats. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd love to see that match happen again. You know, it was cut short last time with a DQ loss being handed out to gabriel and uh i would love to see that one play out again yeah tommy also yeah, would, said that. Said...
1: Uh, sorry i interrupt but tommy also said that keenan is ducking him so
0: oh boy very interesting oh. michael what I, was on I, your mind I there
3: i wouldn't really say that match was cut short necessarily i think it was a fair dq i mean he had the choke on when he went out of bounds it was basically a submission but uh yeah i'd love to see him run it back uh I unfortunately wasn't able to watch this match. I'm down in Brazil, where Fight Pass is blocked out. I had no idea. So I, I all I've seen so far was that uh, crazy back take by Aspen. Uh, I saw a little clip on Instagram. How did some of these other match like how did uh, like Devante look? I think there was a nasty armbar. I heard in the Ashley. Williams yeah, match, Ashley right? Williams
2: and Alacron Did uh, anybody get see that?
1: Did you see that, Ricardo? Missed that one, but I uh, saw a little bit of Devontae, mm-hmm. uh, very aggressive. You know, th- always fun to watch Devante compete. Yeah, Devontae um, won yeah. by decision
0: there, and Ashley Williams uh armbarred Richard Alicom pretty badly, mm-hmm. uh, hoping that it wasn't as vicious as it looked there on the stream. But, uh, you know, these things happen in our sport. But overall, another great show from Polaris, and um, looking forward to see some of these guys back in action again, which takes us to Third Coast grappling happening this weekend, oh, yeah. December 7th.
3: Don't don't forget about another uh, piece of news: the announcement of the AJP t- uh, Queen of Mats, the heavyweight. Oh
0: yeah, I, I almost got ahead of myself. So the the AJP Tour is back in action early in 2020, coming off of their Rio Grand Slam. They're going back to Abu Dhabi, and uh, there's another Queen of Mats. Ricardo, what can you tell me about the next Queen of Mats edition coming up here?
1: Yeah, so the Queen of Mats it'll be the uh, heavyweight division, and uh, six athletes have been chosen. I'm going to list off the names that have been announced so far. Uh, Samantha Cook, Natiele Jesus, Kenda Rusing, Gabrielle Pisaya Tamara Silva, and Ana Carolina Vieira. So, you know, stacked division. Um, you know, it's always great to see, you know, uh, equality and uh, equal prize money for men and women. And that's something that I learned this morning. For the King of Mats and the Queen of Mats, they get the same, generally the same amount of prize money being offered. So each competitor gets 2000 And then what's interesting about this is however amount of competitors are in the division, that's what the prize money is going to be additionally. So there's going to be $6,000 up for grabs plus the two. So the winner gets 8,000. So it's a really nice initiative by the AJP tour. Uh, I really hope to see the female jiu-jitsu community, you know, show some support and, you know, share this event and get out there and, you know, we talk. We see a lot of talk about some of the negativity towards equality. Let's start pushing the positive stuff in the sport and the people that are, you know, making the progressive steps forward and sharing the good stuff as opposed to just talking about the bad stuff. So hopefully we see a lot about that. But getting, like, looking at the division itself, awesome. You know, some of the favorites of female jiu jitsu, Gabriele Pisania, you know, she's a, she's on a tear. Uh, Tamara Silva, I call her the queen of the arm lock. Um, Kendo Reusing. Uh, Gracie Baja, Natiele, Jesus, you know, Ana Carolina, of course, just stacked from head to toe. So I can't wait to see that event.
0: Absolutely. You know, think, um, go ahead, Michael. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there.
3: No, no problem. I think when you look at this one, uh, it's it's sort of like the the 100-kilogram division at Spider and the implications for it with the rankings. When you look at the girls who are in here, it's like you get three of the top five pound-for-pound girls. Uh, and they're, I'll tell you right now, Nathalie is number one pound-for-pound of Female. Gabby Pisania is number three, and Anna Carolina is number five. And Gabby uh, Pisania has beaten Natchielly a couple times when she was a brown belt. Remember, I just yep. I just have Gabby rank, ranked a little low because she hasn't won any uh, black belt like open classes or anything. She, she's a new black belt, but I mean, I think it's it's sort of similar to the hundred kilogram bracket of spider, where whoever comes out of this is going to be the female number one pound for pound, right? I mean, if Gabby Pisani goes there and beats Baby and beats Natchielly, or if Baby goes there and beats both of them, I mean. Yeah, I think either Nachielli is going to retain it or there's going to be a new top pound for pound there for sure.
0: Has uh, Gabby Pisania ever faced Anna Carolina? Is that that match hasn't happened yet, has no. it? No, they Pis- because
3: uh, they don't have open classes at the AJP stuff, so she would always just fight Nachielli in her weight.
0: Got it, got it, because that is a very yeah. intriguing matchup there. Looking forward to seeing Pisania really make a name uh, there in the black belt ranks after having such a stellar brown belt career. Um, so, yeah, big ups to the AJP Tour for, for putting out there for the women and putting on a great show. There will also be the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam with a uh, more updated entry list coming shortly as that event still still a couple months out. So stay tuned for more news about that. But very excited to see the, the Queen of Mats Tour build some momentum as the King of Mats has already done quite well for those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think it's time to discuss Third Coast Grappling oh, as yeah. – um, that's a big event coming up this weekend, December 7th. We're going to have the return of Gordon Ryan taking on American wrestling legend Bo Nickel. I think we have a, a clip here, Caleb. This is like Bo, Bo Nickel here in action. As you can see, he's one of the the best wrestlers today. Michael, what can you tell me about, about Bo Nickel here?
3: Uh, he's just, you know, one of the highest level wrestlers in America right now. He's a, a three-time NCAA champ. Went, I believe, and three with 60 pins at, at Penn State. Uh, won the Hodge Trophy, which uh, is similar to like, the Heisman Trophy. It's you know one person getting like, the MVP of the season in uh, college wrestling, and now he's on the uh, international level. Uh, he didn't make the senior uh, team for USA this year, but uh, I believe he lost to uh, Jaden Cox at the trials, but he, he wrestled on our under-23 team and won Worlds Freestyle for under-23. So extremely high-level wrestler, uh, high-level athlete. I mean, really, really exciting wrestler. He's not like a counter-wrestler. He's not like a guy that would always win in uh, overtime. Like There's there's NCAA champs who still every match is close or whatever. Like He was just going out there toying with guys, pinning everybody, doing basically whatever he wanted. He's really exciting, and I, I know he's going to bring it. It's going to be a fun match to watch for sure.
0: Ricardo, this is a, not the very first time we've seen a wrestler versus jiu-jitsu yeah. stylist, but maybe the most extreme example I can think of is Bo Nichols, definitely not a submission grappler. He's just a straight-up wrestler. Um, what can you tell me about these, this clash of styles? Present this weekend here.
1: I mean, he had. I mean, okay, let's let's look at the basics of it, right? It's not sub only, so we know that he's not going to submit Gordon. You know, very very unlikely unless he pulls off a uh, Matt Hughes Ricardo almeida front headlock joke. You know, one in a million. But you know, I I mean, when when there's points and he can take Gordon down, which you know theoretically he should be able to do at ease. I mean, can he disengage enough where he's not getting penalized? Can he stay in the pocket? Can he play a game like Rastam does where he stays just close enough to put enough pressure but not close enough to be in danger from the bottom? So, you know, anything can happen. We've seen wrestlers do pretty good in ADCC. Generally, they're they're cross-training with other jiu guys or mixed martial artists. But from what I understand, Bo Nickel's been training an American top team. So – you never know. I mean, anything could happen. But if I had to put some money down, I think it would be on uh, Gordon to, uh, for taking the win on this one with a uh, triangle arm lock, or something. But I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's I think it's Gordon's to win. I mean, obviously, Bo taking Gordon down. You're going. He's going right into Gordon's strong, you know, position. So we'll see what happens. Should be entertaining nonetheless.
0: Yeah. Quick rules recap um, for those of you who who don't know. There is no guard pulling. Gordon cannot pull guard, but uh, and there's no leg locks, so Gordon is somewhat limited there. But Bo has to engage Gordon on the ground. So if he does take down Gordon, which we can assume will happen, uh, he has to attack Gordon while Gordon's playing guard, which is pretty difficult scenario if you're not used to passing. I mean, it, you don't really see anything like that in wrestling. And uh, I would I would have to say that gives Gordon a pretty strong advantage. What do you think about that, Ryan?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just sat down with Flow Wrestling, and one of the interesting things that they taught me about Bo Nickel was uh, the coach there, Chale Sanderson. Um, uh, David said that um, in the past ten years, thirty percent of all the finalists
0: have been from Penn State. Yeah, it's a pretty. Penn State has one of the, the strongest programs in wrestling. I'm uh, by no means an expert. You definitely yeah. see the, those names coming back again and again. But they also have, I think, some of the weirdest wrestling. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> jiu-jitsu influence there. I think um, even one of the assistant coaches, from what I understand, is a black belt in, mm-hmm. uh, in jiu-jitsu. So maybe they, they see some <laughs> weird looks there. I don't know. But you, you have to think Bo, Bo's well-prepared for any case. For sure. And bringing it back to your question, you know, how is I think it's going to play out.
2: Uh, I think, you know, with the rule set of them taking away leg locks, um, after going into some of Gordon's stats, 32% of all the submissions that he has is from the rear naked choke mm. so you know I th- I don't think it's going to limit Gordon that much I think it's back to what you were saying you know can um, Bo disengage can he take down Gordon enough can he get up on points or is Gordon ultimately going to take his back and submit him Michael what yeah, what uh, I, I,
3: even wait in really, yet I don't really get uh, everybody is still obsessed about this leg lock thing with Gordon when he's clearly I mean Taking the back and getting the RNC or the rear naked strangle, as they like to call it, is clearly uh, his bread and butter. So I don't think taking the leg locks away uh, hurts him that much. I don't. I don't think he would even really try to go out there and just get an easy heel hook on Bo. I think he would try and win this one, dominate positionally. And uh, yeah, going back to uh, what you were saying, Chase, about Penn State, uh, about the yeah, they, they they a lot of their guys have a very. Uh, very sort of uh, flashy style. Like uh, if you watch the video I did with Wrestling Nomad, uh, he's talking about Jason Nolf about how he uses like something called the the Wind Dixie to get back points. It's basically like a reverse triangle. He gets off the shot and puts people on their back. So it's very jujitsu huh. uh, looking. But but uh, yeah, I mean this is this is going to be interesting because I mean Bo is I mean this is not. Uh, Bo's, I mean, he's high, he's elite. He's high level. This is not just any wrestler going out there. This is in a uh, he hasn't made an Olympic team yet, but he's not that level of athlete. So, I mean, he's going to be hard to sweep. I mean, he's going to be hard to to hold down or control. I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I think the worst case scenario that we're all we're all praying doesn't happen, which I don't think will, is that Bo takes down Gordon and then plays at at a distance and doesn't really engage, and Gordon can't really get close enough to play much of a guard that that's mm-hmm. the nightmare scenario but i think you know bo's cl- clearly in this for a good time i think i think bo wants to test himself he doesn't have much to gain outside of uh i mean even if even if he beats gordon no one in wrestling would really care either <laughs> they just go about their lives so i think for him this is just a unique challenge and i'm really hoping he uh tries something crazy out mm-hmm. there but uh moving right along there more than one match on that card we also have the return of Homalo taking on Jake Shields—that is a great match. I'm very excited to see Homalo back in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only had one match this year so far at Kasai. Who else is is pumped to see Homalo again?
2: I definitely am. We've we've only seen him uh, once this year. He uh, competed in Nogi, but uh, even though he's you know been out of competition for a little bit, he looked great.
0: Ricardo, how do you see this match stacking up, man? Um, what do you, how do you see it playing out?
1: Yeah, I think. Um... You know, all around, I think uh, Homolo is the better grappler. You know, as when it comes to jiu-jitsu, I think obviously Shields has a little bit, I don't want to say stronger wrestling, but I think I, what I would say is he's more so known as a top player than Homolo. Homolo is, you know, obviously well-known in the gi as an amazing spider guard player. But I think when it comes to just pure jiu-jitsu, I think Homolo's got the advantage, you know. And I think he's doing his homework training with guys like Jacob Harmon and, uh, you know, even his own students like uh, Adwet and Gabrielle um, to, to, to prepare for this the right way. So I, I, I can't wait to see it. I think it's a cool match, but I, if I had to make some prediction. I think homelo has got a bit of an advantage on this one.
0: Michael, what about yeah, you? I'd have to agree.
3: I'd have to agree with you there. Uh, this is uh, different rules. This is IBJJF roles with heel hooks, basically, and uh, <laughs> overtime or whatever tech calls. But do you think they go out there and wrestle each other, Ricardo? Or do you think uh, one of them's going to sit guard? Do you think they're going to fight with the opposition?
1: Can, can, well, is there a negative if uh, if Homolo pulls? No,
3: you can just pull. No. You can just go out there and uh, IBJJF rules for this one, basically with heel hooks.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, which which, by the way, I think is the you know is an amazing rule set. IBJJF yeah, with heel hooks is the way to go. Um, if that's the if that's the case, I think we're going to see Homolo engage Jake on the standout for a few minutes, maybe midway if he feels like he can't take him down. He's going to pull, look for a leg. Uh, possibly sweep or submission. That's kind of what I see happening. If Jake gets the takedown, he's going to try to really dominate from that, you know, knee cup position, solid head and arm control. Um, you know, that's kind of how I see it So I wouldn't be surprised to see Homo pull and try to get a sweep or submission from the back for sure.
0: I want to hear you some guys predictions, know, like- folks.
1: Hold on, do you know What's like happened? like that last video that, that last
3: video was like a lot of Jake uh, training at Danaher's. We we know he trains there a lot. Is he based out of there full time or is he back in California? Do you guys know like if, if that's where he's training usually now?
0: I don't have a definitive sure. answer, but I do believe he spends the majority of his time out there at NYC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you
3: I mean, you see how quickly people progress there. Obviously Jake's a veteran, but I mean, you know he's he's learning rapidly. There is nogi game. If he's training there regularly in New York with those guys, his his leg lock game's got to be on another level. Just but all around, like we were talking about, with their back takes and their back control. I mean, they got great guillotines coming out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Jake could pull the upset here. But yeah, I have to agree with Ricardo. Hamilo is the, he- the heavy favorite. Uh, I yeah, I'd uh I'd pick Hamilo going into this one. That would be my pick for sure.
0: Man, I don't know about that. You know, Hamilo is a legend and one of my favorite guys to watch. But uh, I feel like Jake Shields is a bit more active. And uh, once he gets on top, it is very difficult to do anything to Jake Shields. So I think if Homolo does end up pulling guard, uh, that could be tough for him to actually move Jake Shields in a positive direction. I can see Jake maybe even getting the pass. It's a tall order. Don't get me wrong. Homolo is one of the best to ever do it. But um, I, I don't know. Jake and, Jake is so difficult to, to, to touch. And,
1: Jake. and one one other thing, guys. Don't be surprised if you see Jake Shields go for a heel hook. Um, if you remember Absolutely. the uh, Muscle Farm Submit Cancer event we had a few years ago, live on Flow Grappling Archives, check it out, guys. Uh, Jake submitted <laughs> Leota Machida with a nice heel hook, so never know it could be attacking Homalo's legs. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Ryan, where do you stand on the issue here?
2: I'm looking at Jake's uh, previous matches. I mean, I'm seeing a win uh, with uh, Marillo, with Gilbert Burns, Kit Dale. I mean, he also had matches with Craig Jones, uh, Rafael Lovato. So, you know, I I think Jake's ready. To for this one, you know, especially tra- training out of Donahue's camp. Uh, I think we can expect him to attack the heel hooks pretty strong. So ultimately I think Homolo has a leg up, but uh, I think it's going to be a great
0: one. So then we're split pretty um, down the middle here. We have half you guys voting for a Homolo, and in the studio we have Jake Shields. We'll see how that one plays I, out.
3: I have a tiebreaker what? here. I have a tiebreaker. Vin- Vinny Agudo, Vinicius Agudo in the comments is taking Homolo. He says he's trained with both of them. He's taking
0: Homolo. There's our, there's our tiebreaker. Very nice. (laughs) Vinny is definitely a legend there. Shout out to Vinny for tuning in as a regular viewer. The last big match we want to talk about from Third Coast Grappling is Doreenio. That's Gilbert Burns versus Edwin Najmi. I think we have another asset there we can play for this one. Dorino, we just talked about a minute earlier coming off of a a decision loss to Tommy Langacker at Polaris. Man, that guy is one of the most active combat sports athletes if not the most um, a tip of the hat to Gilbert Burns for just being game as hell for basically anything I love that dude mm-hmm. he's a wild man
1: yeah, yeah Gilbert, uh, Gilbert one of my favorite of all time combat athletes He'll, he's not afraid to do anything gi nogi mma slap boxing whatever you want to do yeah. gilbert's up for the challenge i mean he's got this whole little campaign going you know where he's saying i know a guy because he's he's ready to jump in in a ufc heavyweight fight or he's claiming to be so it's a great it's a great thing to see you know uh jiu-jitsu fighters willing to step up out of their comfort zone, not just fighting MMA, but fighting Jiu-Jitsu, fighting in the Gi, fighting in no Gi. And, you know, if if you really look at it, you know, Edwin's more of a Gi guy. So this is this match more kind of favors Edwin. But, uh, you know, it would be very interesting to see. And, and Edwin, another guy, you know, super entertaining. He just fought on Spider. You can expect to see anything with that guy flying triangles and, you know, some very slick passing. So. I really like this match. I don't know who's going to win this, but I can't wait to see it go down.
2: Yeah, I got to agree. I just saw uh, Gilbert train down at fight sports not too long ago. And yeah, the guy looked absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with Ricardo. Like I definitely think Edwin um, has a little bit of advantage when it comes to the Gi, but uh, you know, Gilbert didn't look too bad at Polaris in the Gi.
0: No, that's true. It's a close match. Um, and Gilbert Burns is, you know, coming in great shape, so I'm excited for this one. Edwin had had a tough match there at, at Spider against Mateus Gabriel, but he was never really out of it, and he showed really great defensive jiu-jitsu, Actually, you know, Gabriel was very close to taking the back, and not many people would have been able to uh, avoid the position as well as Edwin did there. Michael, what are you thinking about Gilbert Burns versus uh, versus Edwin?
3: I got another pro making a couple picks in the comments. Uh, Malachi Edmonds in there. He's taking Homulo and Durino. And uh, I'm going to agree with him on this one. I think, I think Doreno on this one, uh, just because. Uh, well, I, don't, I think Doreno ends up on top one way or another, and I think I think his pa- he'll be able to pass pretty well on Edwin. I mean, Edwin's really struggled with Jaime a couple weeks ago with with his guard. Uh, I mean, but Edwin's so dangerous. If you shoot on him, you might get Darst Edwin's got that triangle, but I, I would have to I would have to go with Doreno in this one. And uh, yeah, I'm going with Gilbert for sure.
0: I think I like Edwin Najmin this match because uh, what you just mentioned there, the Dars. you know, I feel like Gilbert is kind of old school. He's going to want to wrestle, which does give Edwin an entry there for for his very dangerous Dars and Anaconda chokes. Uh, Plus, you never know, he might try some crazy triangle. You know, Edwin is game for it. We saw him bust that out for the first time in a long time in that fight to win match against Jamie Canuto. Um, Of course, he had had to pay the price there when he got slammed (laughs) pretty heavily, but I don't think that's allowed at third grappling. In any case, a, a barn burner match. Very, very excited to see these two guys take a take to the stage there at Third Coast Grappling. Ricardo, did you give a pick, or did you just say you like them both? I, did, I didn't hear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like them both. Uh, you know, I've, I gotta. It's a tough you one for, for me. You know, I, uh, it's a tough one. I, I don't mm. know, man. I've been I've been I've been watching Edwin compete since the Blue Belt. Um, you know, his game is just it, it's it's. It's similar but different. I don't know if you guys understand what I mean. In the beginning, Edwin was a really big footlock guy, and um, you know, as well as flying triangles and stuff like that. But I see yeah, a lot of maturity out there. Yeah, he was all flying triangles and stuff, but yeah. I'm seeing a lot of maturity out of Edwin lately. And I just hope that he doesn't reserve himself too much. Whereas a guy like Gilbert's just going to go for broke. So it's a tough one. It's it's I, I, you know, I really don't know what to say. If I was going to throw my hand in the fire and put some money I think maybe Gilbert but it's gonna be tough it's gonna be a tough one for sure
0: very nice yeah, I'd like we- to
1: see the uh, I'd like to
3: see the flying triangle days of everyone come back I feel like uh yeah. flying triangle and Nicholas right? in that absolute final was like the worst thing he could have done because then everybody's been looking out for it ever since <laughs> but, true, uh, man, true. That, was that, that was exciting when he was uh flying triangle and everybody at purple that was great you, yeah.
0: know, you know, the flying flying attacks are tough on the body, though. But, I, you know, we just mentioned them earlier. But Jamie Canuto is a guy at the black belt level who is really great at flying arm bars and flying triangles. Um, I, I love watching him go at it. But I, I'm always terrified to do a flying triangle. I feel like if I land land badly, that's that's the end of my day. And these guys got to compete again the week after. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm scared of it, man. I I've, <laughs> I've almost knocked myself out just jumping closed guard a few times. I'd, I'd probably break my neck trying to do a flying triangle. But uh, you Um, want to move on to Fight to Win? Let's do that. You guys can watch Third Coast Grappling this Saturday. That's December 7th, live on Flow Grappling. We'll be on the ground, so you won't miss a minute of the coverage. You'll know exactly what's going on there. And, uh, of course, check the website for all the news, analysis, and previews we have coming up. But that's not the only event we have on Flow this weekend. Fight to Win has their very last show of 2019. That's 133 there with a great main event between Ari Farias and... And AJ Agazarm. That's two of uh, MMA's uh, best, sorry, Jiu Jitsu's best representatives in MMA going at it head to head in a submission only match. Tell me your thoughts, guys. What what are we thinking going into this main event? I don't know, man. I mean, you
3: haven't seen uh, either one of them in a while, right? They've both been in MMA. Uh, This is a Nogi match, I believe, right?
2: Correct. It has Nogi, and neither one of them has competed since 2018.
3: Yeah, and it's like, uh, when I, my first, and my initial reaction was AJ, you would think of him, he doesn't really go for a lot of submissions, but then when I looked at uh, Ari's numbers on uh, BGJ Heroes, uh, Ari had, actually has a lower submission rate than AJ, and uh, I mean, Nogi, obviously Ari's an MMA fighter, trains Nogi in wrestling all the time, but I mean, his his Nogi uh, accomplishments compared to AJ, AJ's don't really compare, I mean, from what I researched, I saw like a third place at Nogi Brazolato compared to, I mean, AJ obviously a... Uh, Nogi world champion and uh, adCC runner-up but uh, I think I mean I think this one's probably gonna go to a decision and uh I don't know I I'm actually gonna say even though I think AJ is better at nogi I think in this rule set Ari ha- has the advantage I see Ari maybe getting after some foot locks leg locks or something and, and having more solid submission attempts
0: uncle Ricky give it to me what are you, what are you thinking
1: yeah I, I agree with Michael I think that um if this was um if this was I B G G F rule set I think AJ would, you know, have a better chance, um, you know, with the wrestling especially, being able to get takedowns in Ari. I think he's a little bit better the takedowns. But as far as fight to win rule set, is a very aggressive guy. And um, he's cut from the same cloth as a guy like Ronaldo Jacare. Literally, he came from the same academy in Manaus and as uh, Ronaldo Jacare. Very aggressive fighter. And um, I, I, I kind of think that Ari is going to get the advantage here. Even though he doesn't do a lot of Nogi – He's been fighting in MMA for the last few years, so he's got some good MMA training. But, you know, it should be tough because AJ is, by all standards, the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter in MMA right now, guys. So this is going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a tough battle, but I think you guys are, are leaving out one key fact here, and that's experience. You know, AJ has I think five or six matches at Fight to Win, a mixed record, but at the very least, he understands the way that that the rules operate at Fight to Win. He knows uh, the criteria required to take a win, either besides submission or uh, the the what the judges are looking getting for. Getting kicked off, yeah, <laughs> or
3: getting a win by getting kicked off the stage, and you know an he, he's
0: one. creative like that, Michael. He takes any opportunity, but yeah, I, I do yeah. think um, it's a great strategy. AJ, this is Ari's debut at Fight to Win, I believe. And that means that he might not be very used to, to the pacing of the match required. I mean, it's very different than a normal match. Even even a normal submission-only match, uh, you know, he could be positionally dominant. But if AJ throws up one or two decent uh, submission attempts, that's enough to take the win. So I think AJ knows this. He's seen it and, um, you know, could use that to his advantage there. Ryan, what, what do you think?
2: I'm looking at these guys' past matches, and uh, either one of them, for the past seven matches that they've had, have won on points. So I think that we can, you know, expect that more of the same. And then, yeah, ultimately, I think AJ has an advantage just
0: because he knows he knows the game. Sure to be a very close match. Uh, you know, the, with submission only and, and two elite guys like that, sometimes it is so difficult to to, to call because you never know who's going to come on top with a decision there. Uh, but that's not the there only match.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there's some other decent ones. Sorry to cut you off, Chase. Uh, wh- which ones are you guys looking at here on on this list? Which one I really like Jake Watson versus Hibamar.
0: I think that's a really intriguing matchup in the geek. Yeah, Jake Watson becoming mm-hmm. uh, another exceptionally active athlete injugistic. He was just on the the Hawaii card there two weeks ago. Uh and Hibamar, man, Hibamar is is a silent assassin, you know. He not he not uh, talk a big game on social media or anything but he can be anybody on the right day and he is uh, one of the most technical guards I've, I've seen of late I mean he's really good with the lapel guard stuff I think he even uh, did like a worm guard armbar on Claudio Calasanza at at PANS there uh, but he is one of the, the best athletes under the radar to keep an eye on Ricardo yeah,
3: uh, Hibamar is Hib- a great passer though too remember he passed Mauricio's guard at that fight to win in Denver yeah he's he well rounded me- no doubt yeah, he was telling me there that whenever he thinks somebody has a good guard, he he likes to be on top and pass. He really likes the challenge of trying to pass. So he actually, I mean, when I think of himmar the same as you, I think of just a great, like, impassable guard, but he said he actually prefers passing, and uh, I mean, Jake just recently got passed by Liera not long ago, and I mean, is really having a great year. He beat Izaki, he beat Tinoco, he's been beating a bunch of guys, he beat Mauricio. so yeah, I mean, Jake's coming on strong it's his first year at Blackwood, but I I, I gotta take Hibmar here. I think I think is setting up for a breakout 2020
1: as a black belt. Yeah. Picardio. I think, uh, I think Ipamar, um, he's had a lot of experience at the highest level of black belt, um, competing against some of the best and doing amazing against some of the best. Like you said, he's not really big trash talk or anything. He lets his fighting do, you know, he's one of the nicest guys out there. Let's be real. And, uh, I, I'm always excited to see him, uh, actually trained at the same academy as him in Brazil, Manaus, house, Pina, big shout out to Mr. Pina, and uh, Hibamar is just one of those guys, man. He's he's always there. He's always, you know, on the top of the podium. Uh, he's always on the podium if he's not winning divisions. I think he's just got too much for Jake. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't seen enough of Jake Watson to give you guys my 100% bet, but I, I'm kind of going with uh, Hibamar on this one for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I got to say I like Hibmar as well. You know, he's, he's got such a well-rounded game, as Michael pointed out. And uh, Jake Watson's still relatively new to the black belt ranks. Uh, I think he is poised. Jake to Jake do... just
3: beat Orlando.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, Jake's, Jake's no poised to do great stuff. things. i, I yeah. have not trying to diminish his talent. He's right there, but himmar is extremely experiment, experienced and also a veteran of fight to win mm-hmm. I think uh, that really will carry him here.
3: Mm-hmm. There's what? There's uh, Gabriel Sousas fighting Hiago George in a Nogi match, which they're both in featherweight at Nogi World, so that's I guess sort of a Nogi World's uh, warm up for him, but I mean, this is an interesting. One Gabriel Sousa just just beat Hiago's teammate Paulo. I don't really associate Hiago George with with Nogi stuff. Maybe he's just trying to get more into it, but he's he's a killer in the gi. I mean, he's won a bunch of big stuff in the gi, and uh, him and Gabriel Sousa have been going back and forth for a while. But uh, that that should be an interesting one. Uh, I'm looking forward to Samir Santry
0: taking on Lucas Pinheiro. Uh, that's another yeah, great matchup fight. there. I believe Remember, it Lucas is. Remember, Lucas just beat Lucas just beat Joao under fight to win rules. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's yeah. a very close match, yeah. Joel, me Meow, you're talking yeah. about there. Um yeah, Lucas yeah. Pinheiro kind of being another silent killer, uh, representing Atos Jiu-Jitsu, uh another very, very talented young man. I, I think is he fighting at, at Rooster at Nogi Worlds or no, he's in at, at Light Feather as well. Light, and Light Samir feather, yeah. is he's in at feather, feather. So um I guess that actually takes us right up into our next topic there. We have mm-hmm. Nogi Worlds creeping up around the corner, man. That that just slid right up on us. It's only next weekend. And uh shaping up to be a pretty fun event. Some key storylines include Taliesin Soares uh, coming back to the United States here to compete again, making his IBJJF uh, black belt debut, I believe. Um, in a stack, pretty stacked division there for Roosterweight, actually we have guys like Christian Woodmansey and Rodney Barbosa, who was a uh, silver medalist this year at Worlds. What do you guys think about Two Taliesin's debut? Are you excited?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I think he's ready to take over this uh... – weight division i mean this is something that kyle basically used to run uh nogi rooster weights it's not it, it's never too stacked and i think it's just it's waiting for somebody to come in and just start dominating it and i think talison has got a great nogi game he won uh as a brown boat last year he uh set out to do the the nogi grand slam which i hadn't even heard of anybody doing before but he uh won euros brazilato pans and worlds as a brown boat at, at nogi. a very good nogi game he's got underrated uh i've seen people he's take people down but he's got a great uh nogi passing style that unity Marillo santana style of you know force and half guard smashing them and uh just powering his way through and i i really think Talis is going to win this division
0: michael you spent uh, a good part of last year following Talison through the Gee season we made a nice film on it um can you share a little bit of the insight that he his, his preparation and his mindset is like i mean Uh, you only become that successful I think by extreme preparation were there any nuggets of of specialization that he has or something that he does a bit different than than other people
3: I don't know he's just you know I I think the more I spend more time I spend around these top athletes I think it's just the mental level just the confidence and just having a a clear thought and like focus and just being in tune with everything I think he's got that I think he's he's really sharp mentally really hard workers when I was working with him I think he was like 18, 18 years old he was like the most professional 18 year old I've ever met. And he's, uh, I mean, he's relocated to Australia. So I don't know what the training situation is like for him out there compared to when he was, you know, bouncing around from Cicero's to unity or whatever. But yeah, he's just a really tough kid. Incredible story. Uh, left home at like 15 with, you know, just a pocket full of a little bit of money and went to go live at Cicero's, you know, thousands of miles away. And, uh, I'm really excited for him in 2020 to see how he does at Roosterweighted adult. I don't know who's going to be there, but, uh, at Black, But if if Mikey's up at Light Feather, I could see Taliesin winning a m- whole bunch of stuff this year.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the match that I'm hoping to see is, is take on Mikey at some point. Maybe it will happen. Who knows? Uh, we have the Cicero Costa Unity Mafia taking over at Light Feather. Uh, that of course, includes yeah. Jonas Andrade, Hiago George, and uh, Juni, Edwin, Ocasio are all in in that division. But there are some other tough guys. Um, Lucas Pinheiro, who we mentioned earlier, Lincoln. is in there. Um, Richard Alarcón has signed up but I don't know how his arm is going to be after Polaris and um, either way I'm kind of hoping Lucas Pinheiro shakes things up you know it, it's when there's one man versus a whole team it makes it a little bit more exciting <laughs> but the, what, what is Unity going to do I mean they have so many guys now at Black Belt in these lightweight classes um, what what happens to, to them you know because are just going to have to have a gentleman's agreement until someone gets heavier or is someone getting well, screwed every six year 6 out
3: of 10 they have six out of 10 of the top, the six of the top 10 ranked at light featherweight right now. So I don't know. Like, remember that that's the way where they closed out. They hit all the semifinals and finals of worlds this last year. And then they had Pato who come up who Pato grand slammed at Brown Boat at light feather last year. So now you got him coming in. You got Jonas is ranked at light feather, but I think we're going to see Jonas drop down to rooster weight, Jonas Andrade. And I don't, I'm hoping we see Paulo go up to featherweight and make some room for Pato at light feather. I'd like to see Paulo uh, have some of these matchups at uh feather and uh Maybe see it. maybe get Pato get a chance at Life Feather with Joao and Yago yeah, George and those
0: guys. Ricardo, do you have any input there on um, how a team might split up its resources? I mean, uh, you come from Atos, of course, and, and you have one of the most stacked rosters on the planet. Um, obviously there's some competition there, trying to represent the team, carry the flag in these major tournaments. You know, what are these guys
1: supposed to do? How does this work? I mean, you know, traditionally what some of the big teams do is they'll make like an A, B, and C team, right? And the A team will be called, you know, whatever the main team name is. The B team will be called, uh, you know, whatever the affiliation is. And the C team might, might be called the country. And usually they'll kind of decide – the team leaders will decide amongst each other. And this isn't just an autos thing. This is – you know, this happens at Alliance. This happens on all the teams.
0: Sure, sure. But normally
1: everyone. what they'll do is – They'll decide who, the, you know, the best of the best of the team. They'll go on the A team. The B team will be, you know, sort of the guys that are just there. And the C team will be the guys that maybe just trying to make their breakthroughs. So, you know, they, they always tend to figure things out amongst themselves. And um, I guess we'll we'll know who their A guys is, whoever's representing the official team, right? So they'll figure it out. Moving yeah, right but I mean, love-
3: you're going to get to a tough, tough situation there if you stick, like, because – this year, they closed down the semifinals. If you got too many of them, what are you going to do? You Are going to close down the quarterfinals? And then that guy's not even going to be on any – he's not going to get a medal. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to figure out something.
1: Yeah, it's, every team's got its own way of dealing with this. So, I guess we will find out next weekend.
0: You have to imagine, though, it does make for great training when everyone is the same size at roughly the same level. <laughs> you know, um, there's no shortage of challenges in the gym. So, there's clearly a reason they're successful, but I guess it has this – deficit as well where they cannot all compete at the same time as that goes well with them it's it tough if, with them it's it tough too
3: because they competed under different teams like if you remember uh because some of them compete as unity some of them compete as Cicero Costa if you remember a couple of years ago at Brown Belt Worlds uh Wilson Marrera and Levi you know their teammates but they had met like first or second round because one of them is unity one of them Cicero Costa so that that could end up happening with Juni and these guys here Juni and Jonas might end up getting matched up first round because they're technically different teams you never know
0: Moving right along, then, as we got a few more divisions to preview here. Uh, at Lightweight, we see some standout names. We have Johnny Tama is signed up. Uh, Nathan Freitas or Nathan Chung is also in there. Chuang. Uh, yeah. Chu- Chuang, is that how you say it? Got it, got it. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Marcio yeah. Andre, uh, previous Nogi World Champion, is signed up. Uh, currently 15 at- guys at- in that division. Igor, Igor Rodriguez
3: is tough. Athos uh, Miranda is tough. Yeah, they got some good guys in there.
0: Any uh, any standouts in that division for you two out there? Anyone that you're looking to see? Marcio André. Marcio André's Marcio a man Andrei for for Michael? Sure.
3: I, think, I think Marcio André takes that division. Man, His guard, his Nogi game so good. His guards, nobody's going to pass his guard, Nogi. I think he takes this one.
0: I also like to point yeah. out that there is another Lachlan from Absolute MMA Australia. That is not Lachlan Giles signed up. We got Lachlan John Warney. Or, yeah, Warney. So, uh... Don't be don't be shocked if you're looking for Lachlan Giles, he's not going to be there. <laughs> you you skipped you skipped over feather. They got some good names.
3: You got Samir Marangoni, Alex Sadre, Tom Halpin, Israel Souza, Cole Franson, Thiago Budge, Silvio Duran, Emilio Alejandro Hernandez Rodriguez. Remember he beat Gianni Nogi Pants and Pans and, jo- and Gabriel <laughs> Souza. So it's it's basically all good guys at feather too. So I don't know who's going to win that one. But middleweights, the, middleweights, the bracket right now, right?
0: Yeah, middleweight is definitely one of the most exciting brackets I've seen so far at NoGi Worlds. We have uh, Dante Leon, Jamie Canuto, Tavio Souza is in there. Felipe Caesar Silver Silva. Sorry, uh, I'm looking forward to Jefferson Guarz. Uh, how would you say this, Michael Gurezzi? the guy from Unity, Jefferson.
3: Yeah. I don't know, Goreyce? I don't know. Goreyce. He's, he's a probably, ADCC uh, Brazilian
0: Trials silver medalist, um, I believe as a he's tough. brown or purple belt when he, he did that last year. I think and he might have he, won Nogi Pans this year too. So he's definitely know, uh, someone he that he could shake things up for me as, as a dark horse in that division. Um, but Otavio Souza, man. Souza Souza's tough. Da- Jaime Canuto,
3: even he's normally known as a gee guy, but Dante is just – he's so strong right now in Nogi. Dante is coming into this with so much momentum. Felipe Cesar Silva though too. Felipe Cesar Silva's got a great nogi game. Remember he fought his way to the to the absolute final against Keenan at Nogi Pans. Uh, yeah, I think I'd have to go with Dante here. Looking at these guys, just because I mean he's on such a roll. His nogi games get just getting better and better. He's really tightening things up. And I, I, but Dante versus Octavio Souza nogi, I think is a uh, that's the match I'm looking forward to at this tournament.
0: Yeah, we have uh, uh, Vinny Agudo here chiming in that he's looking forward to see uh, Johnny Tama, who's got an improved Nogi game, take on Andre. I think that would be a, an awesome dream match that we mm-hmm. might see happen there in the lightweight division. But uh, Jamie Canuto, of course, spending some time down at Fight Sports uh, ahead of Nogi Worlds. What do you guys think about that? You know, he's a GF team standout, uh, longtime member of that team. But you see him over in Miami now working with Cyborg and the guys at Fight Sports uh is that a good move for him is that is that the the right choice to to maybe sharpen those nogi chops?
1: I think so. I think it's the right place. i think that uh you know fight sports and g f team sort of had some inter club training recently. Patrick gaudio was going there i think um you know it's it's the right place for jaime you know I think Jaime's passing is insane he's just a really entertaining competitor. Of course, I, I did that breakdown on his uh, Toriano-style passing. If you guys want to check that out on the website. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see a new Jaime Knuto coming out of Fight Sports and, and see how he does there. Sorry, guys, I just want to mention one thing. Mark the Hammer Coleman is watching this on social media. So That's amazing. A shout out <laughs> to the United that United. is so cool. He said, he said he's got the winner. Slamming is permitted at 3GC. He's a solid white belt. And uh, he's excited to see third coast grappling as well. So, big shout out to Mark the oh, hammer. That's Coleman. amazing!
0: Wow, made my day, dude. That's where, so cool. Where,
1: <laughs> where's he watching on? Is he on YouTube or uh,
3: Facebook right now? Where's he watching it?
1: I actually think he's on my watch party on my Facebook. So, oh, look look at this wow. guy. okay, okay, okay. I got it. Friends in
3: high Ricardo, places, yeah, Ricardo.
0: I understand. That's why we have you on the show. Medium,
3: <laughs> medium heavy's looking pretty good too. I'm excited to see Hinaldo Jr. Uh, com- coming in there Gabriel Almeida Sergio Tulio, Jake Watson Lucas Hoshig I'd I have to say Hinaldo's the favorite th- There though Hinaldo's very good Nogi Hinaldo's won, I believe Nogi Worlds at brown belt And he took Might have won In a purple belt Not sure He at least took second
0: Hinaldo but, and Jake Watson yeah, Have a, took- a great rivalry there I think Hinaldo's come out A bit more on top But they always have A great great scrap I think we even posted Actually their Nogi Worlds Match very recently On the on the front page Of Flo Grappling uh, From their brown belt days But I hope we get to see Them run that one back that's got to be tough, though, knowing that Ronaldo is in your division at every major tournament. That guy is an animal. I don't know if I'd look forward to fighting him every couple of weeks. Um, just total animal. He, just his pace, though. His pace is insane. Like he just—he's one of the most
3: exciting guys in, in the sport right now. He just—he never stalls. He's always going after people. He's just breaking people down mentally because he, he just ke- keeps that nonstop aggressive pace going, attacking, attacking, attacking until eventually he gets through the guard or gets on the back. And yeah, love watching Ronaldo.
0: Heavyweight also features uh, some some key names there. You have Jackson Souza is back. Adam Wazinski has thrown his name in the hat. Felipe Trovo. Uh, also see Devonte and Marillo coming yeah. in there among other names. I'm looking forward to seeing Marillo back in action, man. I, I love mm-hmm. watching his game. You know he's got such an understated style, but his pressure passing is is so technical, so perfect. Um, and he can bring it, it, it to anyone really. But out of those names, does anyone stand out to you guys for for the heavyweight division there?
1: I think I if, if Marillo's uh, if Murillo's on, it's Murillo, you know, um, he's yeah. done some really cool stuff with that. Um, it's like a kind of new triangle that he's doing. He kind of hooks the far arm around the back. a la Michelle Nicolini. And, uh, we've seen it a couple times. He did at Kasai grappling. I've seen some other matches. I've been doing a little bit of a study on Murillo lately. So I've been seeing that a little bit more and more, but he's once in a while, he pulls out some new tricks and, uh, course we know he's got some insane pressure passing so I, I think uh I think Marillo could take it if he's on.
3: Yeah, I'd have to agree uh just looking at these guys stylistically uh I think a lot of them are good good matchups for Marillo. I mean yeah, uh, Marillo's got a great guard, great, you know, x-guard, uh closed guard in nogi, but uh his passing like I think Warzinski with his butterfly style I mean, I, I think if he goes out there against Jackson or Helton Jr., that these are the type of guys that Murillo matches up really really well with. And I could even see Devontae and Murillo uh, meeting up in the final and closing that one out for sure. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't underestimate Jackson. He's won this event. Jackson's a beast. Uh, Wojcicki's doing more and more no-gi. But I think Murillo matches up well with these guys. I would take Murillo at heavyweight.
0: What are your thoughts, Chase? I got to agree. You know, I said Morello early, and uh, I think he's a smart choice. Jackson Souza, you can never count him out. I feel like he's got uh, that takedown advantage. And if if you give him a little bit of space when you're playing guard, he can just blitz right by you. He's so athletic and and fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he should be a strong candidate, depending on how the brackets shake out, to make the final. Um, Adam Warzynski is another great name. You know, he's a a European ADCC trials winner. And, uh, you know, if he's he's – on his game he's very very difficult to deal with both top and bottom so but for me I think Murillo is, is a great choice but of course we're waiting on those brackets to really make an accurate prediction there mm-hmm. um, let's move the show right along then onto super heavy we've got Trator is present in there that's Vinicius Fajera uh, Tex Johnson is back in James Popolo Elliott Kelly, Arnoldo Maidana, a lot of great guys there. Anyone have any strong thoughts there? Mike, I want to hear your prediction on this one, man. Oh, Ryan,
2: Ryan's um,
3: eager. super heavy.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, super heavy. Super heavy. I, I, I think this is Trator your, your all day. I
3: think Trator is really doing well in Ogi. I mean, we saw him beat Panza in Vegas. Uh, we saw him beat Keenan at Nogi Pans, and then he fought his way through to take second at ADCC. He's, he's training uh, in New York uh, under Marcelo now full time, and he's really coming on strong Nogi's. He's, he's Really hard to score on. I mean, he's got that short stature for his weight. He's hard to take down. He's hard to sweep. Uh, he's, he's a really smart tactical fighter. I mean, you got Tex in there who, who's registered as fight sports now. But, yeah. I mean, I think Tex stylistically, I don't think he matches up too well with Trator. I think I think he would pull on Trator, and I think Trator doesn't put himself out of position. He's hard to get in on, on, a, on a leg entry on, and I think he's going to be able to uh, pass on Tex for sure. But Puapolo's in there too. Elliot Kelly's in there. But I'm,
1: I'm going to Trator all day, right. Ricardo. Yeah, I've been really, you know, becoming a fan more and more of Trator, and uh, his results are speaking for themselves. He's doing really good at the highest level. You know, silver medal at ADCC. You know that in itself, we can't overlook that. You know, he's doing like amazing two weeks notice
0: too. He was a very last yeah. minute, maybe even less. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah you know, and he's trained so he with uh, some of the. Yeah, you know, I, I think Trator and um, Arnaldo. Oliveira, another guy, uh, Arnaldo's a beast as well. I- I'm looking at those two guys potentially to be in the finals and uh tough one. Who's I guess it all just depends on how the bracket rolls out, but I like those two. Those are two of my picks for the for the favorites of that division for sure. You know,
0: I'm going to throw my Somebody hat in the ring here for, for, uh, for Tex in this division. You know, I, I think uh, yeah. everyone focuses on his ankle lock, which which is devastating. Make no mistake about that. But he's also got a very agile guard and is amazing at inverting for a big guy. He can really um, – You know, recovered guard quite well, and I think you know um, Tratora really favors that over underpass. He's kind of like a a mini Bernardo Faria, if you maybe want to extend the use of mini there to a big person. But (laughs) um, uh, I think that could maybe Tex could could counter that with a a sneaky triangle attack. I don't know, just throwing it out there. But that's a fun division. Somebody else to
3: watch. Somebody else to watch in this bracket is this guy Marcelo Gomide. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. I think I just say Gomide, but uh, he's a a newer black belt from uh, Felipe Pinto school. And uh down at Belo Horizonte and he won uh, the absolute at Nogi Euros, and I believe he might have done the same at Nogi Brasileto. So he's he's in that division. He's somebody's coming on really strong, Nogi, somebody to watch for sure.
0: Another dark horse there. Um, the ultra heavyweight division only has four names signed up, but it's kind of a pretty badass division all the same. We've got Cyborg in there. Uh, Victor Hugo is in. And Vinny Magalhães hayes is also in there with uh, a Damian Maya Jiu-Jitsu representative, Fernando Ribas, who I do not know. But uh, those other three names are, are among no-gi royalty as far as I'm concerned. So um, what are you guys looking forward to in this match? Any any particular matchups? I think Victor Hugo versus Vinny is a very exciting matchup there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyone else? Yeah. Uh, I-
1: yeah, I, I, I watching Victor Hugo at ADCC did an amazing job. Um, some really nice elevation from the della Um, You know, trying to get a little more familiar with leg locks uh, for ADCC. We saw in his training, but he doesn't have to worry about that here. IBJGF, this is uh, the rule set that he favors. I, I want to see that, you know, and against Vinny, man, Vinny is one of these guys that he's been around since ever since. Um, he's got it all. He's got the total package, wrestling, flying triangles, leg locks should be interesting to see. We have uh, just got a few Ricardo, minutes left.
3: Ricardo, who are you picking? Who you, who are you picking in this one, Ricardo?
1: At at Ultra? I'm not I'm not picking. I think he likes line, them I'm all, thinking. Michael. I think I think he likes them all. I like them all, man. There's Victor, only four, so yeah, I think Victor I think Hugo is going to No, no, no. I, yeah. I sorry to interrupt, but I think Victor Hugo is going to show what he's really made of in this one. He's going to it's going to really show that he belongs amongst some of the best black belts in the world. I've been a big fan is for a long time always excited to see him at black belt so looking forward to it
2: i'm gonna
3: go yeah, with cyborg. I think this is gonna be a com- coming out party of uh sorts for victor hugo at, at the nogi uh, side of things i think he's gonna uh he's gonna have, probably have to be two adcc champs to win it right vinny and cyborg and i think victor hugo is gonna pull it off and take it but i mean cyborg just won that
2: yeah, heavyweight grand prix, grand prix so. yeah. yeah yeah he won the heavyweight grand taking, prix had a lackluster performance at adcc but
0: i don't know he looked pretty good until he, he lost a very close match to Mickey rob yeah he didn't look terrible by any means no, looked, no no yeah
2: no. but uh the last time that you know cyborg and vinny faced off i think was uh 2017 adcc trials mm-hmm. and just put on a passing clinic um so i think he's gonna do he's gonna make a comeback
0: do really well cyborg is, a, is always a smart choice um i'm liking vinny but you know, it's hard to argue him above Cyborg. We'll see how how it shakes out. Maybe Cyborg takes on Victor Hugo first, and uh, you never really know how that match shakes out. So, all right, I guess we, we did see that at the Heavyweight Grand Prix, but maybe Victor Hugo made some adjustments based off of that match and, and can turn the tide there. But we have just a few minutes left on the show. We should definitely touch a bit here on the women's divisions. Uh, they're still building. A lot of good women. A lot of good women there. Uh, the lightweight division is particularly stacked. We have got Nikki Sullivan, Kakaz in there, Nacheli Ribeiro, um, as well as a few other names, uh, April Parks, etc. But any other divisions that really jump out at you guys from the, from the women's ranks, oh, Michael?
3: I like middleweight. You got uh, Hakao Canuto. You got Gabby McComb. Gabby McComb just a total savage, really aggressive. Uh, Amanda Lowen, the SB, SBG girl, who has uh, won Nogi Worlds, I believe, before. I remember remember
0: she submitted Kaka off that crazy like standing spinning guillotine it's like one of my all time favorite photos Uh, she's completely lifted Kaka in the air and is like twisting her neck it looks absolutely horrific but it's a great submission medium
3: medium heavy is just three girls right now but you got Veda Toscano you got Julia Basher and then Tamara Ferreira so that's three really good girls in there I think the uh, open class is is shaping up to be pretty tough you got Jessica Flowers and Kendall Rusing at uh, super heavy you got Talita down at at feather, Heather have Raftery, uh, Gabby Fetcher feather, and Karen and oh, actually listen to featherweight, Livia Giles and uh, Talita Allen Carr, Heather Raftery, Gabby Fetcher, and Karen and That's the entire bracket. That's all the five girls. That's that all stacked. Yeah, all, that's that's are all really yeah.
0: tough tough women in that division. Um,
3: Amanda Montero and Maisa at, the, at, at light feather and rooster. I think we're going to be looking at a really tough uh, open class for the women at this break, at this tournament.
0: Well, there you have it. Those uh, divisions can build out through Wednesday, I believe, is the cutoff for athletes to sign up for the IBJJF Nogi World Championships coming next weekend. We'll be on the ground in Anaheim, California, bringing you all all the coverage from the scene. And I'm really looking forward to going out there. But do not forget, Gordon Ryan is back this weekend at Third Coast Grappling. Uh, we'll also be there in Houston it's going to be a great time thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Who's Number One uh, it's been a pleasure we're going to be doing the show again next Monday uh, at the same time to account for travel to Nogi Worlds uh, Michael will be back in studio from Rio good luck with your travel there Ricardo will still be hey, in flow. Canada good luck living there
3: <laughs> <laughs> flow, Grappli- flow Grappling Tix, T-I-X com to get uh,
0: tickets to the live event go check it out All right, guys, thanks for the show, and we will see you again next Monday.
1: See you next time.